The following podcast is sponsored by StructureTech. But I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. They're just very, very different. And there's pros and cons to each. And one thing about new houses, though, is that, like Ruben said, old houses are a lot more durable. A lot of that has to do with building materials and, and the way that we build houses nowadays. But new houses are a lot more fragile. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside my co-host, Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. And on today's podcast, we are going to talk a little bit about new houses versus old houses and some of the challenges that we see with both of them. And Tessa is well qualified to uh, give us the building science background on these things. And, you know, I think everybody thinks new is always better than old. And then there's this small group of people who think old's the best thing ever. And I'm raising my hand, but uh, you guys can't see that, obviously. <laughs> no, everybody says they people. don't build them like they used yeah. to. There's a lot of people, diehard yeah. fans of old houses, and yeah. they will not have it any other way. Well, yeah. when the heating bill comes and it's $800 <laughs> a month, then sometimes you reconsider your choice of old versus new. But There's that. So let's let's dig into this. And I feel like there's three kinds of houses, not just two. I feel like there's houses that were built before the like mid to late 70s. And then there was this experimental age that included <laughs> the 80s and the 90s when wood became mm. made of chips and fibers and things of that nature. Mm. And then we went through some challenges there. And then we have our new concepts and how we use new building products that are still made of chips and pieces of wood. But at least now we know how to, to build these structures. So anyway, that's background for my mind, what I see as the world of building. How do you see it, Ruben? I don't like to say one is better than the other. I just like to say that they're different. Old houses, without a doubt, they're way more durable and they're way less energy efficient. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. really the biggest difference I can think of. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Tess? Yeah, Wait. comfort's a part of that too, probably. Sure, yeah. sure. Yep. But I agree with you, Ruben. I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. They're just very, very different. And there's pros and cons to each. And one thing about new houses, though, is that, like Ruben said, old houses are a lot more durable. A lot of that has to do with building materials and and the way that we build houses nowadays. But new houses are a lot more fragile than old houses. And all it takes sometimes is one, one little leak somewhere and it can just blow up the whole house. Yeah. Like... Like an explosion blow up? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like mold and deterioration and rot and all sorts of things. Okay. Wow. So fragile. I never thought that fragile would be a word used in To describe a house. Yeah. Yeah. The more energy efficient we build houses and the more building materials change, it's very important that the way houses are put together is done correctly and the way that we like maintain our houses has to be done properly too. There's a lot of different things with just occupant behavior that can destroy a house today. Do you have a set age where handymen are allowed to work on a house <laughs> and then when they get into a certain age category they're no longer it's, uh, you know it's not even handymen i'm just thinking just the occupants themselves so you know one of the big differences between old houses and new houses old houses you know there wasn't much insulation in the walls if anything and a lot of the wood that was used to construct these walls was actual wood pieces of lumber 
right? Yeah, a slice out of a tree. A slice out of a tree. And a lot of those trees were old, and so they were the wood was more durable, old-growth lumber. So when an old house, if there was, let's say there Wait, was a... Dig, dig into that, Tessa. Old-growth old lumber. Growth How is lumber? that more durable than today's lumber? There's a lot Why more heartwood, hey, right, Ruben? Yeah. So older trees have more heartwood in them, and heartwood is more... It's naturally decay-resistant, bug-resistant, pest-resistant, all these things. Whereas trees today, a lot of trees we use for construction products and other things, furniture, they're grown on tree farms, and so they're grown as quickly as possible, and they don't have as much heartwood, and so they they rot and decay much faster. So let's. you guys both had a twinkle in your eye when Tessa said heartwood. So ex- where is um, that in the tree? I imagine it's in the center, but tell me why it's so much better. No, that's exactly it. It's in the center. It's it's, it's basically the cells of the tree, and I, you know, I'm not a uh, building science guru like Tessa. But I'm thinking the, of Bob Seavey, my old the... professor at the U of M, who taught classes on wood. I had to take classes on different on wood. All right, yes. so correct me if I'm wrong, Tess. It's it's like the don't cells ask me to remember those are basically <laughs> filled. They don't have openings. They're not going to take on water, which is what makes them decay resistant. They take all the nutrients for a tree up and down. They're closed mm-hmm. off. They they can't take anything else. Now the stuff on the outside of a tree, the sapwood, that that is much more open, and that will accept a lot of water. And that's that's where it rots much more quickly. And if you're going to have that exposed to the elements, you have to have all that wood painted. It's got to be painted. On, if you got yeah. a board, you got to paint all six sides of that board. Top, mm-hmm. bottom, left, right, and the ends. You got to seal it mm-hmm. off. And if you don't, water is going to find a, its way in there and it's going to rot it out in fairly short order. And when I say short order, I'm talking like, you know, 10, 20 years. Okay, or so, even less. I got on a tangent, though. I'm sorry, Bill. Go ahead. Well, this I, is, is there capillary action occurring yeah. inside of heartwood? Like, would occur? Like, we always talk, there's capillary action. Mm-hmm. It can be sucked up into any wood. So, is yeah. heartwood immune from capillary action? No. Okay. W- water can still wick up. How it, far? All the way. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, water can wick up a tree from the roots to the top, right? So... But anyways, I, we got on a tangent, but the difference between old house and new house. So these old houses, you know, the walls were a lot of times they were empty, very little insulation, if any, built with this old durable wood. So let's say you had a small leak around a window, which Joe Stewart calls windows water injection. What is it? <laughs> water injection systems, basically. So you, you put a hole in the wall, you put a window in. If there's a small leak around that, well, you've got a lot of heat that can move through that wall system because you've got air leakage and all these things happening where you're going to have airflow in these empty wall cavities that can dry out, you know, those wet areas. Whereas a new house today, you take a standard wall and it's full of insulation because we're making our houses a lot more energy efficient, more comfortable, losing less heat. And houses today are a lot more airtight too. They actually, they have to be a certain air tightness, at least in Minnesota, to meet the energy code. And so you have a house that has very little or no airflow through a wall cavity that's filled with insulation. And on top of that, we use vapor barriers, right? And in Minnesota, on a cold climate, we've got vapor barriers on the, the warm side of the wall, which is basically like plastic. So the other thing, too, is, you know, we use like OSB and other wood composite products to, to build our houses today. So you take, you know, building material that is much less durable, 
basically it, it just turns to mush when it gets wet. It gets really moldy easy. You take a wall where there's no airflow, no heat getting to it, and you put a Ziploc bag over it. What's going to happen when water leaks in around a window? So it's going to destroy it. Preventing right? the leaks is probably a pretty important thing. It, yeah, exactly. That's why we say new houses are a lot more fragile. They're a lot more energy efficient. You're not losing all this heat, you know, through the walls and through the building envelope and everything, but you're also not able to dry things out when they get wet, so a lot less yeah. durable. Yeah, old houses were way more forgiving. It's not like yeah. we have more leaks in today's houses. It's just that those leaks matter a heck of a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get back, but we have to step away to a break. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. Hi, everybody. Ruben Saltzman here with the Structure Talk podcast. We talk a lot about education on our podcast because this is one of our core values here at Structure Tech. To prove how important this is to us, we actually teach free continuing education classes to real estate agents all over the Twin Cities. We've been doing this for years and we have classes ranging from one to four hours in length. These classes are taught by both me and Tessa. And if you're interested in having us come out to teach at your office, all you need to do is visit our website, click on the education tab, and you can see instructions on how to get us out to your office. And you can also see a calendar of upcoming events. If you're interested in having us come out, please visit our website at structuretech1.com. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. And today we're having a conversation about new houses versus old houses. And before the break, we were just buttoning up why it's so important to keep leaks to a minimum on new houses. Mm -hmm. Okay, so tell me about insulation and tell me about leaks and all of that. So is this just the flashing detail? problem or oh. is this because there's insulation the leak becomes more like a sponge or why are these leaks such a big deal well that's a that's a good question and you know it's not just flashing that has to be done right there, there are so many potential places for moisture to get in and to cause problems but moisture really is a home's worst enemy it can come from the inside or it can come from the outside and so making sure that you've got you know all the flashing details done right all the siding details done right on the interior you're managing your humidity and your moisture properly all those things are really important but you know even if you do things right like there are some situations that are just a recipe for disaster anyways let's say you have a house that you could have like a brick or stone veneer type siding, which is like a reservoir cladding. It basically, it's like a giant sponge on the side of your house. Mm -hmm. That type of siding material will will just hold moisture. So let's say it rains, right? That siding is saturated, holding on all that moisture. Then the sun comes out, beats down on that wall, heats up that wall. And let's say it's summertime. We get hot temperatures here in Minnesota, so yeah. people have their air conditioning running, right? So physics, basic physics, moisture moves from areas that are that have more moisture to areas of less moisture. And also heat moves from warm to cold. So what happens when you wait, have wait, wait, sun? Wait, 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 wait. It rises, Tessa. It rises. <laughs> <laughs> and it falls and it goes sideways. It goes in every direction. I'm sorry. I heat have done heat that. moves from, from areas that are warmer to areas that are colder. And warm air is less dense than 
colder air. So colder air sinks, and when that sinks, it the warm air moves up. So you're thinking about stack effect, where you know in houses in the wintertime in Minnesota, it's you know it, it's going to be warmer upstairs and colder in the basement because that warm air is rising. But think about a wall system. If you've got the sun shining on a brick wall that's wet and that sun comes out, heats up that wall and it's, let's say it's cold inside because they're running their air conditioning. Which way is the vapor drive now? Heat moves to cold, more to less. That moisture is going to want to dry inward, right? Mm -hmm. From that wall cavity. Now what happens if you don't have a proper weather resistive barrier on the wall system? or you don't have a proper air gap for for that moisture to dry behind that wall system. And let's say you've got some sort of wood composite product like buffalo board or particle board or OSB behind there. That stuff is is really absorbent and that moisture can go right through that wall assembly. And then what do we put on the inside of our walls? We put a vapor barrier. We put a vapor barrier. Let it go through. We put plastic. So it stops right there. So have you ever seen mold on the backside of, of a poly vapor barrier installation, like in a basement, sure. like in a walkout basement? Oh, heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Almost, I swear, almost every basement that is unfinished that has the fiberglass bats with the poly plastic over it, I will be able to find mold somewhere behind that plastic. Well, and Tess, I just wrote about that in my blog post. I saw that. The top five places to find mold. Yeah. And, you know, I asked Vicky about it when we had her yeah. on the podcast, but I already had my list created. <laughs> I was yeah. kind of asking Vicky to see yeah. how much overlapped with my yeah. list. And, and that was definitely one of them yes. was basement, walkout basements yeah. with, with the unfinished wall and the poly vapor barrier. And I just came right out and said, this is just plain stupid. <laughs> the way we build houses, prove me wrong. Yeah, I saw that. And you know what? It's not even just walkouts too, Ruben. You can have that vapor drive inward on a full basement, like a foundation too. Like when you've got, you know, concrete block wall that's in contact yeah, with wet right. soil mm-hmm. and you, let's say someone tries to finish off their basement and they do the fiberglass baths and the poly over that, there's a good portion of the year where that vapor drive is also moving inward and you can get moisture trapped behind that plastic too. Please correct me if they're wrong, but I always thought that subterranean vapor drive was always inward. <gasps> you know, that's a great question. It's not it's variable. It, it can go both ways below grade. That's why it's so challenging to insulate properly foundations without having moisture problems. But I imagine for most subterranean, most below grade applications, there's a higher level of moisture content in that soil than actually in the in the house itself. Usually. I'm not an expert on that type of thing. I actually, so Pat Hellman at the University of Minnesota, the, he does a lot of research on foundations and moisture movement. We, we should have him on this podcast, but he works with another scientist, Louise Goldberg, and they, they've been doing years and years worth of research on hydrothermal, how moisture moves through foundations, basically. He has a great YouTube video. Yes. I, I believe it's through NDSU, North Dakota State University, or up north there. Cloquet is where their research facility is. I wonder if it's... We can we can look it up yeah. and connect it over to this podcast. But it's a fascinating... It's 30 minutes of time, and you'll never see your basement the same way. <laughs> so with that... If you want to gonna... have nightmares about your finished basement having mo- potential moisture problems, <laughs> watch that video. No, 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 no. No nightmares. 
With that, we're going to step aside and take a break real quick. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. Are you in the market to buy a home? Structure Tech Home Inspections is here to help. We've been inspecting the heck out of houses since 1987, and we'd love to help guide you through the process. Our home inspectors at Structure Tech are passionate about education, spending as much time as needed to deliver the most thorough inspection possible. With a five-star rating on Google and over a thousand reviews, we're the most highly rated home inspection company in Minnesota. We also offer a full line of related home inspection services, such as radon testing, sewer inspections, and chimney inspections. Whatever home inspection services you need, you can get it with a single phone call and we'll deliver it with a smile. For pricing and availability, please visit us online at StructureTech.com. You're listening to Structure Talk, presented to you by Structure Tech, the most highly rated home inspection company in the Midwest. My name is Bill Ulrich. I'm alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman, and we've been talking about old houses and new houses. And one of the things I think most of us know the difference between old and new is there's just a lack of insulation, which means a wall cavity has less of an ability to dry out if it were ever to get wet, bulk water or otherwise. But so my old house from the 1940s has basically got no insulation and it's got a little bit. So it's pretty forgiving. Tessa, in 2020, if you had to tell me what the ideal design of an exterior wall in our climate, in Minnesota, whatever zone we're in up here, what does it look like? So a perfect wall would have the insulation and would have the, the water-resistive barrier on the exterior and the structure would be inside the thermal boundary in a conditioned space. So it looks a little bit different, but you'd have your cladding, you'd have an airspace, you'd have your insulation, and then you'd also have your water-resistive barrier, vapor barrier, right touching that insulation on the backside of it. Then you'd have your structure behind that. So I, I know all these terms, but I'm still having a hard time following. Just to kind of sum it up, the mm-hmm. short version of what you're saying is put the insulation on the outside. Yes. Right? Yep. All Protect right. your, your structure on the inside. Keep it in, in you know, right now walls are susceptible to the temperature changes and humidity changes. But if you move that air barrier, vapor barrier insulation to the exterior, now your structure is going to be 70 degrees and 40 percent relative humidity year round all the yeah, time. When you say your structure is going to be 70 degrees, you're talking about not just the inside of your home, but the yeah. entire wall assembly. Exactly. The drywall, yeah. the studs, yeah. everything yeah. is going to be nice and warm. Yeah. And you move that thermal boundary right before yeah. your siding. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I've heard this in the past and I, I can't attribute it to anybody because I can't remember who actually said it, but I heard warm wood is happy wood. Yeah. Is that true? Well, yeah, I think it's a much more durable system to have that. And actually, some of the research for Building America, it's a program funded through Department of Energy. It's a national program that basically is researching how to make houses more energy efficient. And there's a bunch of different scientists kind of around the U.S. that that are doing all this research on homes, on how to make them more energy efficient, but also more durable and more healthy. And Pat Hellman is on one of these teams. And they did research and, and... they basically designed a house that was built this way with this type of wall system where they use these giant OSB panels, these structural OSB panels, and they built kind of the frame of this house by sticking all these panels together. And then they wrapped that in a weather-resistive barrier, like grace 
perma barrier. It's like a it's a waterproof membrane, self-healing membrane, and that makes the house really airtight, but it also protects the wood from any sort of exterior water intrusion. Then they attach the rigid foam insulation to that, and then they attach the cladding to that. Okay, so I'm trying to visualize this, just what you said. We have mm-hmm. studs, we have sheathing. No studs. No studs. This house didn't use any studs. Okay, so that's where the structural panels came in. Sips. Yeah. No, we do not want to confuse sips it with what... It wasn't a sip. What, yeah, it well, was it something... It sounds like you're describing a sip. I don't understand the but difference. It, it, yeah. it, was a, it was a built-on-site panel. It was a... It was a it's it's a um, structural panel that they... I can't remember the name of the company that manufactures them, but it doesn't come with any insulation or anything attached to it. It's just the OSB panel. Okay. Yeah. Right. So they, they built the house with those panels first, wrapped it in a self-healing waterproof rubber membrane, okay. and then attached the insulation to that okay so different from a sip but so i imagine you just answered this question but i'm going to ask it anyway in case other people have a tough time like i do visualizing i imagine these houses that are built with sticks they lose a bunch of the racking support or strength that would come with having that sheathing right there, right? So if the sheathing is on the studs and then the insulation's in the stud cavity, it feels like a more rigid construct than if you have rigid foam as the, the sheathing. Well, with the system I was describing, those OSB panels, they put two of them together and I think the wall was at least an inch thick, maybe an inch and a half thick of solid wood. Okay. And they've been doing testing on these houses, engineering, and it turns out these houses are even more strong than a standard stick frame house would be. Yeah. So that's what I always feel about these new houses. I feel like they're a lot like airplanes. When a tornado comes through, you see the damage and there's Mm -hmm. things all over. They're Mm -hmm. missing and they're gone, right? And and where my neighbor tried to tear down their garage last summer and literally drove a bobcat through the (laughs) wall and the thing didn't fall down. Oh, you know what? On that, just personal story, you know, I grew up doing construction with my dad. I remember in junior high, my friend and I were tasked with tearing down a garage. My dad dropped us off. We got the whole day. We had to tear down this garage at this house that my dad owned. And we cut out all the studs. No more studs. The garage was still standing. It was the stucco keeping everything up. Wow. Yeah. Structural stucco. Exactly. Well, you know, the other thing I didn't mention too, with this design of having your structure on the inside and moving that water barrier and insulation to the exterior, it also eliminates all of the heat loss you have through thermal bridging in a normal Mm, framed house where you've got a stud every 16 inches or 24 inches where you don't have any insulation in the wall at that point. So you lose heat through that wood framing. Wood framing takes up like 25% of the wall. So if you think you have an R20 wall, well, reduce that by 20% because of all the wood framing that's in there. Yeah, wood is a horrible insulation. Yeah. Well, and so now I'm I'm thinking back to the limited amount of building construction experience that I have, and we would always put the headers in over these windows, and it felt like that was just a poor insulation exactly. construct. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what what does a header look like in, in this panel house that you're referring to? It doesn't need a header because the panel itself is enough. Of the, it's, it's the structure. So they oh, cut out course. holes in sure. the panel. You don't need to add anything else to it. So then are these, I imagine these panels are the full length of that wall in their kind of, you know, the, these panels, and... I think these panels are like eight feet by 20 feet. Oh my like goodness. you need a crane to lift them and to put oh, them okay, in place. Okay, so... They're massive panels, really heavy. 
Okay, yeah. so so maybe if you're thinking of like all these big warehouses that you see in the span creep that yeah. it's sort of along those lines. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Interesting stuff. The hard thing is though, you know, these panels are so big, it makes it difficult to have a house that has unique like design to it, right? A lot of people these days, they want to customize their house. They want to have cool little architectural details. They want to have bump outs, cantilevers, bay windows, whatever. They call the... those magnets for water intrusion. Exactly. Yeah. Now from a building science perspective, every time you bump out that building, envelope or or change a plane of a wall or whatever it's just it's it's one more thing where water can get in or you know siding insulation could go wrong where it's just you know higher risk with that type of design the more complicated the higher the risk but people don't want to buy just a plain boring box unless you're a building scientist like me and i'd be okay with it tessa yeah, smiles I'll, I'll plain boring too. box and she's got a big yeah with, with big overhangs right yes big overhangs yeah Great orientation, you know, energy efficient. Yes. Awesome. Well, we're out of time for this episode and we didn't even get to air comfort or how do you say it? Indoor indoor air quality. And comfort. Comfort. Yeah. Yes. We're going to run right into episode two on new versus old. And we're going to talk a little bit about just how these, the differences in these houses and how they feel. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. Thanks for listening. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech1.com.